0: All right, we got Randy Smith, wrestling coach for Missouri in general, but uh, Victory Wrestling Club, and just associated with a lot of uh, great wrestlers in Missouri's history. And uh, we're just going to talk a little wrestling here. So, starting off with obviously you coach kids when they're youth up to high school, but if we we're starting from ground level. What are the keys to building a successful youth program? What are the most important things?
1: Um, obviously, I think having a system. Um, I think early on, um, a system and then also surround yourself with great people. So it's never it's, – you can't do it by yourself. It's, it's way too much work. Um, and then I've been really lucky um, to have amazing people. Um, Earl Harris, the well, first guy I started coaching with was a guy named Troy Seeley. He was from, uh, was he from Centerville? No, he was from Bob Dara was his coach up in Iowa. I think his name Bob Dara. Um, but he, him, Gary Mayb talked us into starting a club. Troy lived down here. Um, we started a club, and he was incredible. And then, um, and then Earl Harrison, obviously, he's one of my best friends. So uh, he helped. Come, I met him. He wrestled Iowa State. Uh, he was all American Iowa State. Uh, Ricky Williams, and then surround yourself with just you know Brent now, and you know just some people that don't get a lot of credit uh, gage Harrison and you know the markhams, the Robbie Cox, different people, but having a system, so when I jumped in, I was just a i just wrestled i, I wasn't incredibly successful um I was really good at losing the state tournament, um, <laughs> good up until the state tournament, so like I had the uh um, kind of the drive in me to always want to be successful. So when I get, jumped in and started coaching, I took a little bit of um, – my first coach was Jim Snaywise, who's a legend that doesn't get a lot of credit. He's, he was coached over in Kansas for quite a while. And then Dale Ewing, uh, one of the Ewing's uh, – Craig Ewing's brother, um, was a coach for a long, long time. and he, he was kind of the guy I learned a lot from because he coached when I was younger and he put tons of effort. And we spent nights at his house and, um, and then Coach Mayhem came along um, whenever I was a sophomore in high school, and you know, I used to idolize him and Haggerty, when I, they would drill together and their little Spankies, and uh, it, we'd watch them the kids state tournament. It was it was pretty crazy. They would go out there and just drill for hours, and we would watch them. and I thought they were the coolest guys in the world. And uh, so, obviously, Coach Mab was I think my mom and probably convinced him to come to Oak Park. Um, and uh, you know, just learning from him and learning kind of the way he did things. Um, obviously, the drive that he has, um, he's incredible with the drive and that he continues to have, um, wanting to make people better. So just kind of learning from all sorts of different coaches and kind of putting a little system together. And then I got uh, – I ran into Ethan Kyle's dad and uh, Aaron Anion's dad at a tournament whenever I started, just started coaching a few years in. and and they were wearing some shirts that said uh, Jordan trained. I had no, no idea what that was. Um, so I got to ask them, and they were doing some drills, and I thought it was pretty cool looking. So they said it was you know, some guy in Ohio out in the for- cornfields in Ohio that had these camps. So um, I loaded up a bunch of kids, probably I think we had about six kids, me and a, a Zach Joyner. Took Dylan Joyner, Scott O'Donnell. Um, I don't know if Brent won on the first trip, but uh, Shane It might have been Brent as well but we went out there for a camp and, and it literally was in the middle of the cornfield time. Mean, it was just a community center. Um, and Jim Jordan, who's now Senator, um, we met him there. He, he pulled up and we did this camp out there and it was amazing. And the system that he teaches that Jeff teaches at his camps really changed the idea and the thought process of how to drill and how to create kind of the, the core system of wrestling for me. Um, so we just started Building on that and did it. We the way we drill, we still do it. Um, the technique we teach, um, and just uh, you know, getting lucky with kids. I mean, let's be real honest. I mean, it, it, I think every coach out there is blessed when they have some five-year-old kid that comes in. He looks like little Hercules, and and <laughs> listens to everything you say, and he will the wall, through the wall, and and uh, so it's it's a lot of luck and surround yourself with the right people and asking the right questions.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask so. The, the, I knew that Jeff Jordan was an influence on the things you guys do technically. So I, mean, I think people have a kind of an idea, but not exactly. So I was going to say, what, a, what are the, I guess, keys from a technical standpoint? What are the points of emphasis for the Jordan style?
1: Well, for one, it's always stance, always. I mean, every, everything, every time he taught, teaches a move, he'll always take it right back to your stance, whether it's top, bottom, or on your feet. Uh, positioning, so, you know, head up, butt down, arms in, you know, everything he teaches, he'll stop and say, now look, if I come right back up, where's my elbows at, my elbows are in, my arms aren't reaching, it it teaches, it all goes back to stance, so I was really crazy early on, Um, so I was all about winning, but now I've kind of slowed it down, and and obviously we still want to win, but it all, every time we teach a move, it goes right back to your stance, it's the number one basic skill wrestling, it's the position that People don't realize if you're on bottom and you're, you know, you're, somebody's breaking you down, you're in a bad stance. So if you just literally get your head and chest up, and if you could just stand up a little bit and your elbows are in, it just goes right back to the number one basic skills. And and Coach Maab and Coach Haggerty were always big on that. Um, Coach Mab, when he when he taught, and probably still does this, he'll say, All right, name this the seven basic skills of wrestling:
0: stance, motion, level change, penetration. Uh, and he'll literally
1: make you go down them. And, and we still do that. And I, I still do that. So, that's, that's really it. And then, you know, Jordan's got different, you know, his, his, the way he drills. I um, mean, it's, he does what they call a call out drill and, and it just keeps, keeps the action going. It's, it's definitely more tiring than, than live wrestling without question. I mean, you can do it for 45 minutes and you will, you will want to die. Um, so it's, it's definitely just a system from head inside singles from finishing on the mat to your feet, a uh, head outside from the mat to your feet uh, for headlock series. Um, it's just it touches the basis of everything. I think he's, in my opinion, he's the best. You know, I know uh, we have a lot of people around it. I mean, I'm not they not saying that he's better than Tony Perler, who's amazing, or Nick Perler, who's he's not better than them. It's just a guy that I went to, and I, I trust. I still talk to him all the time. He's a great person. Um, so that's uh, I think he's really really good.
0: Yeah, me and Jesse just to piggyback on that, we always talked about whenever we. We're watching a kid that we knew would come through you guys' system. We knew they are going to have a good head inside single. We knew they were probably going to have a good head in the hole, front headlock, you know, finish. And just going be, to be hard to yeah, beat. Yeah, that's –
1: that's Jeff's – I mean, number one, his says the best takedown there is – butt drag is obviously the easiest, but but a head inside single, Chase Ankle, that's his go-to. He teaches it every time. Go to any camp you go to, he's the only one that teaches it. And he got it, he got it from his brother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so so being able to finish a single leg actually on the mat is a real point of emphasis for it, right?
1: Yeah, because now obviously all the scrambling's coming into effect. You know, the last ten years ago or fifteen years ago, nobody scrambled like they do now. So now it's learning how to finish that single leg on the mat because everybody you know, everybody jams ahead, everybody squares them. Now they everybody's doing the shin whizzer and all the funky moves, the step overs, the rolls, something like that. So being able to finish. And it's kind of going a little bit. I think it's actually going a little bit back the other way. So, finishing on the mat is getting, becoming harder. So, now people are hitting the head. And now, everybody's trying to get to their feet as much as possible, which you should always do. But I think wrestling just evolves and changes with the times. I mean, it's, you can go back and watch videotapes of just 10 years, you know, eight years ago and watch it now. And you're like, God, those guys were, they were good then, but they would, you know, stuff wouldn't work. Yeah. So, it just changes yearly almost. So,
0: this is uh, I, me and Jesse weren't in you know Missouri wrestling at this time, but I know I've heard a lot of stories about you you going on the uh, dual trips back in the day in different places. Do you have any uh any specific stories that stand out from your from your team Missouri travels?
1: So I think we started. I think uh, I talked Craig Ewing into letting us do the schoolboy duels for the very first time um so we took the very first trip um and then it kind of led into all the other dual stuff so i was when i say i was kind of i was crazy i was i was you know I probably cost me some relationships uh, um and uh the time and effort i put in was i didn't have any kids at the time so we just had a core group of kids that i knew were talented and missouri was talented so i wanted to see how we did at one of these schoolboy dual trips so we we did the first trip um I think, I think it was the first trip we went on, Brent and so it was, uh, again, Scott O'Donnell, the St. Louis guys were – I think Gagliano was there and, and Warner was there and Brandon Weiss was there. Um, and then, oh, you know, the Grams, uh, some of the Park Hill kids. I mean, we we probably did some things that probably weren't um, – uh, probably weren't real legal. Uh, <laughs> we, the way we drove or the way the actions we did, it was, uh, it was fun. The kids did some crazy stuff, right? Did some go kart riding and, uh, Brandon, see, I think it was Eric Warner, who was a little wild anyway. He, uh, he neglected the stop. When they tell you it was one lap, you're supposed to pull in, and he neglected the stop. And, uh, drove. I think he did about three or four more laps. And every time we came by, he let the, uh, well, uh starter guy know that he was number one, um, uh, as he was driving by. So that was a pretty, pretty comical time. And then we, we had a good trip in Colorado for duels. Um, did really well out there and, and, uh, I think, the, I think the Grams may have, uh, they may have, uh, did some things in some cups, maybe some urinating into some cups and threw them out the window at the other van a couple times. And they were, wild. it was wild. We had some good times. Reggie, it's all Reggie's fault. Reggie was involved in that trip. So <laughs> He's he allowed gonna have, those things to happen.
0: He doesn't have plausible you know, deniability on that one.
1: Those trips are amazing. I mean, so much fun. If, if people don't jump into those, um, you build a lot of – you meet a lot of good people. Um, you know, I, I – the kids, I built relationships with a lot of kids I didn't get to spend a lot of time with. Um, and it's it's a little bit too bad that now it's so competitive these days. Everybody's afraid somebody's going to recruit some kid or bring a kid in. or It's too bad that you can't all get together and train together. I mean, really, in the end of all this, um, it's all about getting an education, getting your college paid for. So if we could – if everybody got together and trained together, it would be pretty awesome. I mean, you can imagine a facility, obviously have a facility big enough, but you imagine if everybody in the Blue Springs area and your guys' area and and the Park Hills and the Platte Cities, if everybody met in the same area like they did way back in the day and trained all the time, and they and you could cut the egos out a little bit, it would be incredible. Uh, but there's too much too much ego. Uh, everybody's too worried about you know who can run practice or maybe
0: we'll Maybe we'll come out of, uh, coronavirus quarantine with a, with a different point of view on that or something. I don't know. We'll see. Our hearts will be changed. Yeah. 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 We'll I don't know about that, but, <laughs> um, well, I was, I was going to ask you about, well, you kind of hit on it, but for, for one, uh, you know, some of the old stories about you were you getting after refs and just being, you know, you, like you said, you were aggressive and stuff. So, you know, you've said that you've, uh, how have you grown in your coaching, I guess? Because we asked, we've asked some of the other guys on the shows, and obviously they haven't even been in the, in the game as long as you. But what's been your progression, I guess, as a coach?
1: Well, I think early on it was – I mean, I literally – when we had – when Scott O'Donnell, Shane May, and Zach Bailey, and Mac Bailey, and Brent, all these guys, it wasn't a matter of I, – I didn't – we worked incredibly hard. And it wasn't a matter of that they just won. It was – if they, if they won by 10, they should have tech them. And I I probably yelled and screamed at them in the hallway more when they won by 12 than maybe even when they lost. So, I you know, I was way over – I was over the top. There's no question. Um, and I I think I learned that first wave of kids that came through that was so good, but we um, we talked all the time about winning four state titles. When they were young, when I coached them at football in their fifth grade and fourth grade, we always talked about, hey, the goal is to win four state titles. So there was a year that I coached um, Shane Nay, Scott O'Donnell, uh, Michael Brewer, uh, Brent Haynes. uh, They all coached them at football, so everybody had a a four in their numbers. So Brent was 14, Shane was 24, Scott was four. So they, it was about winning four state titles and that's all we talked about. And that's all they did is train the incredibly hard to win four state titles. And, and some of them did it. um, And it was a fun ride while I did it. But I think when they first went into college, that was a really, really good group, but they were exhausted. They were extremely, when it was over, they were relieved. Like Scott O'Donnell and, and Shane, those guys, I think they were so relieved that they met the goal we talked about all the time, that, it, it, they were. They probably didn't do as well in college, or didn't have the success in college that maybe they probably should have. But I think we beat it out of them a little bit. So, kind of learn. Man, everybody wants to win. So, uh, if you work really hard and you just don't happen to win, shit. That, that, damn. That that stinks. Well, guess what? The other guy wanted to win too. So people think I got soft, and, and maybe I did. I don't know. I had my own daughter, and my daughter's fourteen now. So maybe I did get a little soft. But I don't think I got soft. I think I got smarter. And the fact that, man, we can work really, really hard, and sometimes we just are not going to win. And it, it stinks, but that just means we work harder. And I, and I think we've seen the change a little bit because I think we've got guys going to college now that are continuing to wrestle and uh, having fun and getting their education paid for just like they did before um, and still having success in high school. But realizing there's there's a bigger process to this and, and, and just getting – you know, if you win a state title, that's great. It's hard to win a Missouri anyway. Everybody thinks it's easy. It's, it's it's hard. So if you happen to win a state title, that's awesome. If you win two, great. If you win four, bless you, man. That that was pretty awesome. So, but I, I think even like the, the Reno, it just won four state titles, didn't lose in high school. Um, we used that same, we never we never beat him down. It was never about him winning every match. But I think he he will have success because he's not exhausted. He's not. It wasn't just this giant goal of winning four state titles. It was just goals just to wrestle hard. So, yeah, I definitely think it's, I've grown in that aspect. Brent will may may say I've gotten soft, uh, but (laughs) me when I was young. Um, So
0: he's getting softer too. It's fine uh, though. The reality of it is, I think it is if you're in coaching and you are introspective at all, you are going to get softer as it goes. But really, like you said, you're just getting more, aware of the fact that different people require different things psychologically and and everything so
1: yeah I think Earl Harrison for that matter he's kind of that way I mean he's maybe a little harder on his son but he he probably taught me a lot along the ways of you know he's he's the one that was in the trenches in college and he wasn't crazy successful early in college and became all-american so kind of learning from him and, and his ways and and Ricky's ways along the way of you know this the process and I mean, I didn't wrestle that level. I think I've coached a lot of guys that have gotten that level now. But learning from those guys helped out a ton.
0: Yeah. Um, so we talked about some of the things I wanted to. What, what about – let's talk about uh, just you, you have a pretty significant list of, of guys you've coached who have had a lot of interesting or, or either had incredible high school careers or, you know, great college careers or anything. What Are some of the but maybe who are some of the people that stand out to you that maybe people don't know that you've coached or what stands out about them?
1: Oh uh, man, it is a lot. I mean, it is a long list of kids, and you could choosing a few to talk about is, is difficult. But you look at like a Brad Perkins, um, I mean, that dude is he's the smartest human I've ever met, and that's not. He's incredible. At, at seventh grade, I think, sixth or seventh grade, he somehow he hacked his – he took a calculator and hacked from the calculator to his Xbox or PlayStation time to play uh, – I forget it. I think it was Call of Duty at the time because Mac used to play all the time. And somehow he figured out a way to hack it all together, to be able to take somebody's points or their rank number one in the world or whatever, he, he would be able to take all their gifts or things they won and put it on his account. Um, he ended up getting a call from I believe it was Sony saying hey we know what you're doing we're going to take we, they blocked his IP address um, he figured out a way around that um, and then now he's in med school and going to be some sort of brain doctor or something like that but he a guy like that that I mean his eighth grade year he beat uh, he won Tulsa Nationals um, he beat Zahid Valencia in the finals uh, gosh Tomasello took third uh, Joey McKenna took fifth. Daniel Lewis took fourth. Some I, I may be off on, on the places. Um, yeah, there's one other one to place. There's another. I mean, he had, the kids he beat in that tournament was amazing. I mean, that, and then, and he did it because he's just crazy smart. I mean, just ridiculous. Went to Harvard. Um, you talk about him. You talk about uh, the wildness of Mac Bailey. Um the things we did for, for the, with that kid or what he put us through was crazy. Um, but he's a phenomenal kid who's turned his, his life's amazing now. He's got kids. And Zach Bailey, who quit the sport for a couple of years because of shoulder surgery and ended up calling me. I was at the NCAA tournament. Jared King won. Jared King was an OU wrestler, transferred to Edinburgh. Uh, Zach had quit because of shoulder surgery. Jared King won, uh, I think I was in Des Moines. At the tournament, um, Jerry Quinton King just won a national title for edinburgh and had shoulder surgeries too, and he used to be a f- uh, former teammate of Zach's. And Zach called me right then and said, "Man, if he can do it, why can't I?" and I'm like, "Well, I, I think he can." And then next thing you know, he comes back and Sammy got the job there as an assistant and called and, "Hey, what do we got to do?" And they did a great job with him, kind of letting him, you know, practice, miss practice a couple times just to rest and. Um, as coach may have used to call him, he was, Zach was a thoroughbred. You only run him so often, uh, <laughs> train all the time. Yeah. It's just, he's that good. Um, yeah. but then you look at the brewers, Dustin was one of our first kids that wrestled for us. I mean, Dustin was amazing. Uh, probably made the wrong choice for what college he went to. He would have had probably a career that changed past, but it is what it is. And the Shane Nays and the Brents and the Zach Bentless and the Ray Halls and the Ray Halls coaching college and, Colorado and fishes every day. That's just what he liked doing. So it's just a long list of people that we were lucky, crazy lucky. Uh, But they were crazy kids. They did everything we asked them to do.
0: Yeah. Something that stands out about a couple of your most recent guys, so I'll get your take on this. And they're graduating from high school, so you can talk about them now basically. But, uh, you know, both both you guys, Reno and Penn, are the two most recent guys that are associated with you guys. They are really good wrestlers, but they they seem to do stuff right in life too. So there's a there's a common thread there sometimes. We, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think we, again we've been lucky in the fact that we I think we have done a good job of teaching these kids along the way. I mean, I don't think we ever had really. Mac was just wild. I mean, he's a great kid. He was just wild when he's younger. Um, but but we've taught him how to be good people and good kids. So that that has been good. Um, Graydon's always been quiet. Uh Jeremiah's quiet too. And and Jeremiah was god awful when he first started wrestling up. People don't realize that. He was terrible. I don't I don't I'm almost positive he didn't want to match his first year. He couldn't shoot bubblegum walk at the same time. I and mean, he was a twig. He still didn't have that big muscle, but um, he was terrible. And, and you know, it got Teddy, his uncle actually did a great job of of helping him off the mat of just extra workouts to be kind of get to where he was. But Graydon was crazy talented when he started. I mean, he, had a, he, he just had a, he's got a knack. Uh, he's a, probably the best athlete at Liberty High School. Didn't play football. We begged him to play football. I thought he should have played football. He would have started. I think the football coach actually told us he didn't have to practice but one day a week. He could come to one day a week and then play the games. And, and I, he was serious. He would have been an amazing football player. But he just, he decided he, would, he just wanted to wrestle. Um, but they're phenomenal kids, and, and they come from two different types of families. One's pretty tight. The other one kind of let Graydon and grow and, and live life and make choices. And um, But wonderful families. Uh, they're both going to be crazy successful. I think uh, Graydon's uh, off the mat is real business savvy. Um, so I think he'll be successful outside of the sport for sure. But uh, I think they both have uh, some – they're going to be successful here in the, in the near future at OU, and they made a great choice for college, OU Nebraska, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess we got to ask because, you know, he's our friend, but he, uh, he, he won't ever come on the, uh, on the show. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, just uh, give, us a, give us a thought on Brent Haynes. Boom. Wide open question.
1: Probably the most passionate person I've ever been around uh, or ever coached. Um, And that's when I say passion not just for himself, but for others. So when he, when I coached him, he was young. So I'll I'll tell this story. The very, I knew Brent, I've known his his dad when he used to wrestle with Northtown Kids Wrestling Club. So we went to a camp, they used to have a camp back in the day. So we were down at Mexico, Missouri. Um, So I had a room, um, I think there were eight or nine. Brent might've been eight. Scott down, I think it was nine, or there was nine to ten, one of the two. So they, Brent, uh, Chuck drops him off, brings him down. Hey, we're in Brent. Brent wasn't with our club, but we knew him. And, and hey, can you keep an eye on him? No problem, Chuck, I got it. So, drops him off, and I said, Scott, drill, drill, Brent. So they start drilling, and Scott was real short. So a couple minutes later, I I feel tug my shorts, and I went over and I said, well, I turn around, I'm like, what's up? He's like, uh, he went to the bathroom. I'm like. What's wrong? I don't know. So I go in the bathroom, and here's Brent. He's just incredibly upset. He's, you know, might have been might have been crying, allegedly. Um, <laughs> I said, "Man, what, what's going on? I miss my dad." And I said, "Well, he just—I mean, literally, probably just got just go. I miss my dad." And uh, so I he ended up moving him into our room for for the week. Um, but that's kind of it. Kind of fits where everybody understands where he's coming from. He. He is passionate about his family, uh, although he may argue with him a lot. He's passionate about his friends, uh, almost to a fault. Um, and his teammates—I mean, he would probably fight for his teammates in high school and in college um, before he fight for himself. And then uh, now, the kids that he coaches. A lot of people may may misunderstand him a little bit because he's he's a big scary guy, um, but he's maybe the softest scary guy I know. Uh, but he's just a passionate person. Who has maybe taken some chances in life uh, to do what he's doing? Um, I think he's got a great job now and a great career. He's a fireman, um, but um, we have our moments where we we may spat now and then. Uh, but I wouldn't want anybody else on our side uh, because he he cares. I mean, he he. And again, almost to a fault. I mean, I sometimes I tell him just relax. I mean, he. He, and I think he'll figure it out once he finds some crazy female that wants to spend some time with him. Uh, that whether he has kids later, on. he says he's never having kids, which may be a good thing. He may need kids, but <laughs> he'll figure it out as well. That 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 the how to be hard and when to know to to soften the guys a little bit. And he does some guys, but I mean he's. He's pretty phenomenal as far as a coach. We just got to keep him reined in a little bit sometimes.
0: (laughs) He's all in all the time for stuff.
1: Yes, Um, he's definitely all in all the time.
0: uh, Jesse, you want to ask our last question since I didn't let you talk at all? (laughs) I got a lightning question for you, Randy, but just going to throw it out there because me and James always talk about it. Why your theory on why so many wrestling coaches are bald?
1: Go. (laughs)
0: Oh, and he froze on that. Just
1: froze. Dang it. <laughs> or he's just really upset. So no, the- I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think maybe, uh, yeah, pulling the hair out, we, it just gets incredibly bald a lot or, or, uh, gray. So we just shave it off. But I did, I shaved my head for the, when I was young, I was, uh, not bald, but I went way back when it was uncommon. Ricky Williams went to, uh, Cadet Worlds and, um, he had told us, me and our buddies, me, Ricky Williams, Carl Sesser, and my, we ran around all together all the time. So, Ricky, I'd heard he'd shaved his head, and he used to have a rat tail, a little bit longer uh, hair. And he, when they went over there to, I forget what country he went to, um, so they'd shaved his head pretty short, like a one or something back in the day was, or two probably, the clipper size. And so, kind of, kind of our deal when he came back, we met him at the airport. We shaved our heads too. So, yeah, I did it then, and and it happened, and then. I don't know, just kinda kinda end up shaving our heads. I guess it makes us look cool or something or a little tough or something. Help I, get. I like it.
0: I like it. Um, so yeah, this is there like a story that st- – like you've already told some unique stories, but is there a story that really just sticks out to you from your
1: time that, you know, that's kinda like, yeah, man, that that's a good story. That's what this that's what this whole thing's all about that sticks out to you. And I could spend hours telling stories. Yeah, I'm sure you could. It's been a, mean, lot of, a lot of lot of miles. <clears throat> Man. Some crazy, I mean, just some great stories are when when kids won big tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had those guys win Fargo. Brent won Fargo. And I wanted it cool. When Zach Bailey was a sophomore in high school, nobody knew who he was. Literally went to Fargo as a sophomore, wrestling juniors. They had no clue who he was, and he went through Escobedo and Reese Humphreys and uh, beating all those guys. Um, probably the coolest wrestling experience I ever had was when he qualified for Lumpter Ross. Um, went to last chance qualifier was in Cedar Falls. Um, uh, he beat the Danes. He beat Humphreys. He beat, no, he didn't beat Humphreys. He beat, um, gosh, who's the kid? Uh, wrestled Northwestern, uh, then he transferred to Arizona state, had a brother, wrestled Iowa. God, I can't remember his name, man. Searches. Yeah. Searches. Searches. And then he wrestled, uh, Kerry Colat up there at that deal. And, um, I was a match loss, but him qualifying for Olympic trials. And then, and then, um, myself and Earl Harrison got to coach him at the Olympic trials. So we were back, it was in Iowa city. So we're in the sauna with Henry Cejudo was there cutting weight. Uh Sanderson was in in the sauna at one point. Gable was in the sauna. Just who's who of you can even dream of wrestling-wise was down in the wrestling room or in the sauna or in the workout room or in the locker room. And it was hard not to be in awe of the entire situation and understand you're there to try to help somebody. So um, crazy thing about that tournament, that was when they had the ball drag, the ball grab. You're tied. And um, so before the tournament – Started, Zach was training with some of you guys, of course, and Jared Freyer was uh, there and Michael Eidner stuff. And we had, uh, so Freyer and, and Zach did um, uh, two matches. It was, I think, the morning of the tournament. I'm almost positive morning. So, they had two matches, kind of warm-up matches, and um, Zach beat both matches. And um, so, went to the tournament. Zach went to the ball grab four times and um, lost the ball grab four times. And went 0-2, and, and Frere wins, and was Olympic Olympic, uh, It uh, went, went on to the Olympics, and here that same morning, Zach beats him two matches in a row. So it's just crazy how that works. Um, and I think uh, he could have, he would have trained longer and harder. Uh, he would have been, he could have been one of the one of the guys too. So, but yeah, I mean, just crazy stories with people the you know doing the Olympic trials and the times I spent with coach Mab and, and uh, working out every morning when I wrestled for him you know, hundred shots every morning before school and then getting into coaching and uh, probably the, the driving force. I my mom passed away when I was 21. She was a psychotic wrestling mom, <laughs> took tournament uh, and she's probably the driving force of why I do this crazy sport. But um, it's uh, a lot of memories, a lot of great people, incredible parents. Uh, but, uh, it's uh, something that, you know, the coaches along, you guys do it. I mean, you guys you get the memories. And, and I'm f- going to be 50 in June. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'll do it. I don't know if I always talk to my wife And she's like, yeah, right. She knows. It's, it's worth every minute. I probably spend a lot of money doing it and a lot of time, but it's, I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Good good thoughts. All right, we'll let you go, Randy. It's a storm out here. I'm afraid the Wi-Fi is yes, going to break down anyway. But uh, and You guys do a great job. Thank you, man. Thanks thank for you. talking to us and giving people yeah, something for, to listen to over the course of this that, thing. Let,
1: let me know if I can trick you sometime to get, to get Brent on that, this deal. I <laughs> will just ambush him.
0: We're going to drop right. a surprise interview on everybody when they least expect it with him. So <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> all right, righty, yeah, Have a you, good fellas. day, all right? All right, all right later. You yeah. See you, bye.